into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max, taking care of us behind the glass. And hey, you know, training camp is underway for the... Uh, oh, wait, no, 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 that is not underway. <laughs> that was a Facebook memory that I saw. You think you're so funny. I am. But you're not. I am. <laughs> you're Sad bringing back fun. all the last year feels. <laughs> last year and every other year that I'm known this to, to memory of training camp being mm-hmm. this week in the month of September. And I so know. Weird. I was talking about it to someone today. I was just hockey in general. And I said, next fall. And then I was like, no, well, <laughs> fall. Not like, <laughs> you know, you know what like, I mean. like January fall. Yeah. You know, January like fall. Like that season, whatever that is. The training camp taking place in the winter. Yeah. It's yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Everything. So, by the way, that meme, the dog holding the mug, it's like everything's fine with the oh, big yeah, fire. Oh, yeah, with the fire. He's, the meme is now a Funko Pop. <laughs> what is a... Oh, wait, Funko Pop, the little doll? Yeah, it's not a doll. It is an, I thought it's you a s- figurine. Oh, well, that, oh, I know that. Oh, my goodness, Glenn. When you said pop, I thought you meant, like, a beverage. And so, I, it took me a second. We've got to get Glenn right? more pop I think cultured. That, I don't think I'm the only one. Oh, my goodness. An entire world of collectibles. And Glenn's like, what? I don't collect them. But I know I knew what they were. It just took me like three seconds to process. The only okay? thing that Glenn collects is cat hairs on her clothes. This is very true. Can I mediate this disagreement, please? <laughs> yes, please. Because you're both right. You're both in the right. Yeah. And it's fine. And we both have cat hair. Glenn, <laughs> you're clearly not Facebook friends with Jeremy K. Gover to I watch am, his though. Funko Pop channel. I am, right. though. That's the thing. Yeah, oh, you should okay. know And the McGillney's, I've watched them. You watch them? That's the only reason I know what it is. Other than that, I wouldn't oh know. I watch yeah. them, but they're not so present. and They're not like on the front of my mind. So when you said the word pop was all I heard, and I'm like, a beverage? But what is yeah, Glenn about? is right because I don't even know where Glenn's from. But pop is the correct terminology. Thank you. Right. For soda. Boy, we are in the South. I'm not going to start that, even though that's what I well, call yeah, it. Yeah, because I grew, up, I grew up in southern Mississippi on the border of Louisiana. Everybody's like, you want a Coke? And I drank Dr. Pepper, and I'm like, of course I do. And I would always get a Dr. Pepper somehow. It was like magic. Of course. But pop is proper. So. By the way, I have a Pecorine Funko Pop. My Derek Henry oh. Funko Pop will be on the way shortly as well. I have an Alex Ovechkin Funko Pop. I love like, it. Like, there's a whole thing of... Th- Anyways. <laughs> I love it. Dive right into Now I'm enthused discussion. now that I know what it is. That's great. You want to watch the Dune trailer oh. again? <laughs> the what? <laughs> You almost had me. Anyways, anyways, okay. in the world of sports, mm-hmm. the world of hockey, the Dallas Stars are going on to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, that's not something I thought that, that we would say, honestly. Not especially in this fashion, winning 4-1 over the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Did not expect that. And although there have been some changes and moves, I think that for the last few years, so many people have been like, man, at the beginning of the season, they're like, Dallas, this is going to be their year. This right. is it. This is it. And then they just disappear, and you're like, man, Dallas, what happened, you know? Uh-huh. And then when you kind of stop thinking that, hey, maybe this could be it, they turn it around, and they flip a switch, and they made it work. And I know they said And this, like you said, in yeah. a style that you're not, you're like, that's, 
I was impressed. Because Vegas is so fast and they had plenty of depth, yep. plenty of great playmakers and guys that can produce and veteran leadership as well for Vegas and just... <laughs> and I think in my mind, in a lot of people's minds, I kind of already had Vegas going to the end. A lot of people And so, do. yeah. And so I just, in my head was like, well, let, they just got to get through this round and then they'll be on their way and they'll yep. probably pay, play against Tampa. And that was it. Like it just... I think it threw a lot of people off, but good for them. Yeah, and Dallas continued to prove people wrong and, and get over those hurdles. I mean, they took out the well, yeah, they took out the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Big deal right there. And then they take out – well, they took out the Calgary Flames. That was, I guess, easy for them. Yeah. But <laughs> then they take out the Vegas Golden Knights. And the thing is, it's that next man up mentality that we're seeing, too, for Dallas. That they were dealing with plenty of injuries. Mm-hmm. And you have guys stepping up, whatever of. Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> whatever. That's the, that's the switch that and, they flipped. And I know, and they said this back on Slapshot Radio in the last hour, too, but it's looking like that quote-unquote team of destiny thing where it's mm-hmm. like they're just doing things. Things are coming together for them in the right way. And at can the they right get over time. At the right yeah. time, just like it happened for the Preds. Mm-hmm. Preds obviously were not favored by any means <laughs> during that cup. They were the, the eighth seed Yeah, I mean, when we look at it. Now that, not that Dallas was the eighth seed or anything, but they weren't where people were looking at. People were looking at Colorado. Mm-hmm. The Blues potentially to repeat. Vegas. Those are like the three top teams I think the yeah, most were looking yeah. at to be the ones that were going to go on and not Dallas. Dallas is up there. You have, I mean, Miro Heiskanen, 22 points in 21 games. He is having a heck of a playoffs. Yeah. Jimmy Ben has stepped it up, 18 points in 21 games. Um, uh, Denny Gurionov, nine goals mm-hmm. as well for him. And you have Alexander Radulov. I know it makes people cringe. It does. But he has stepped up. And when it matters. Mm-hmm. Fram, the one thing that's kind of interesting is Tyler Sagan, only eight points in t- those 20 games. But hey, you know what? It doesn't have to be pretty. You just have to win. Yeah, that's and very, very you true. People stepping up. And I mean, on the other side, Tampa, they're overall doing really well. I mean, they lost in double overtime, mm-hmm. a game that they probably should have won. Yep. <laughs> but they are doing this without Steven Stamkos. Mm hmm. And, well, they could be doing it now without Braden Point. We will wait and see. But it, it's different when you look at it. Again, the next man up mentality for Dallas, that team of destiny, because they weren't favored to be there. Tampa has that chip in the shoulder of they should have been there last year, they believe. Exactly. They're like, <laughs> and since we weren't, we will be there this year. Right. So. And the, I mean, they have to win one more, one more, and they just were able to do it. Barry Trotz, the pesky yeah. Islanders. Still pushing in there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. If the, I, I still don't think they force a game seven. I, I, it's going to think it's very, very difficult to do that. I think it will be because we've seen in this series that Tampa has beat the Islanders when they played Tampa's game. And then they beat the Islanders when they were forced to play an Islanders game. Mm-hmm. And then they go, you know, they you have your things like last night where you're like, eh, it just <laughs> happens sometimes. You should have won the game and you didn't win the game. Um, although I will say that I would love to see a game seven because game sevens are so much fun. However, I don't know. I, like, I, like you said, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for them you, to get there. You know there. who else would like to see a game seven? Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Continue to rest because <laughs> they are dealing with so many injuries. The longer this they thing need, can go yeah, in the East. For sure. They're they like, oh, this is time. great. Yep. We get to be on vacation for a little bit. They're pulling for the five OT. <laughs> what, a, what a condensed schedule. Because when we looked at this before. There was potential that the Stanley Cup final could be going as late as early October. Mm-hmm. If, for instance, there's not a game seven, the Stanley Cup final will start the day after. Or not, not the exact next day, there'll be a, probably a day off, and then mm-hmm. the next day start. And the next day. And you just compress that they could, fin- they could finish this thing up before October. 
and then boom, right into the draft. Which already got so moved wild. Up. Boom, right into free agency. And then we still don't know. There's just rumors about the potential start date of the next season. Yeah. So we'll see. And Nobody knows. No, no, None of us know. No. They don't know. Nobody knows the, the trouble, trouble I've, I've seen. seen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. We, you guys are wild tonight. I, I'm throwing back to the 90s, to the early 90s. Of I love our, it. Our childhood. Mm-hmm. Yes. With Lion King. A little bit of Lion King, right? It's so good. I mean, it's yeah. the best. Clearly, you I've know who you're talking to. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. coconuts diddly 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 there they, they are standing in, in a row. Bum, bum, bum. Big one, small one, some as big as, as your head. Uh, anyways, <laughs> speaking of a lovely bunch of coconuts. This is what happens when you have hockey the, and in September. The Washington Capitals fired Peter LaViolette. There's no Why coconuts did you say that, speaking of coconuts? I don't know because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of head games going on and your head's a coconut. So Peter LaViolette, new head mm-hmm. coach for the Washington Capitals. They're paying the rest of the $2.5 million remaining on his contract mm-hmm. that the Predators were due to him. So this is an interesting hire to me. And I understand it. First of all, I understand this hire mm-hmm. because Capitals are in win-now mode while the window is still slightly open given Ovechkin is nearing age mm-hmm. where he's not going to produce or going to retire in the next few years, I'm sure. So you got to squeeze all you can out of this team before you will probably have to go into some sort of rebuild mode. Yeah. When you're a superstar retire, you're going to have to rebuild a little in bit. In a very small window of time. In a very small window of time. Yeah. That's where Peter Laviolette comes in. Mm-hmm. You can't expect to have, I don't think, I would love to see new coaches that are coming from college, junior, something that's not a regurgitation. I don't think Washington was the place to have that happen given the mode that they're in as a franchise. There are mm-hmm. other teams I think that would fit and make place. To see, not right now. They're in win-now mode because I think with this, two years, make a deep run, and then if not, we'll see what else is out there kind of thing. The deal's expected to be three years, which makes sense. <laughs> what year did Peter Laviolette take the Preds to the Stanley Cup final? Yep. <laughs> so that, that's where mm-hmm. I'm seeing it go right there with him, and it makes way more sense than him going somewhere else because he's, he's not going to go to an expansion team. Mm-mm. Not gonna have the right tools in place. Not gonna go to a team that still has some work to do, like the New Jersey Devils. There are pieces in place with the Washington Capitals for them to still be extremely competitive and to potentially win if he milks everything out of this team that could potentially be competitive. Yeah, and I think that what the Capitals had to decide was: do they want to bring in someone that was like a players' guy, or do they want to bring in somebody that was a players' guy plus <laughs> somebody with a little bit of an edge that does have a way of squeezing out what they can out of players. Oftentimes we saw Peter Laviolette do that with younger players and not necessarily a veteran core group of players. But at the same time, if you're a good coach in that manner, it's likely to transfer over to, you know, the veteran, the veteran team. So it's, it's totally understandable. I kind of saw that that might Mm -hmm. be a very good fit because Peter Laviolette gets stuff done in a little bit of time. And it's fascinating to watch. Honestly, it's fascinating. It's the jam. So, I think it was a very good hire, and it makes perfect sense. It'll just be interesting to see if everything kind of plays out the same way it always has in Peter's career, right? Right. After the, after the first few years, what happens next? Right, so. and it's just curious to see. I'm sure plenty of Cavs fans are like, if we still had Barry Trotz. I know. <laughs> if they would have just paid the man. <laughs> what, Which, what if? The what ifs. I know. But I look at that and being completely on the outside, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> and say, why didn't you give the man – the money that he wanted and deserved. Right. But that's why I'm sitting here. Who <laughs> knocked you out of the playoffs? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, up next, we have a stack show today. Up next, we're going to have Aaron 
Sims. He is the voice of the Milwaukee Admirals, just to get an idea from him and some of these the, the young players that could be making an appearance in Nashville or making their, their way to Nashville and staying in Nashville next season, which will be in the winter, apparently. And then after that, Angela Ruggiero, Olympic gold medalist, five-time world champion. To talk about the 3S Hockey Tournament, talked to Grant Fuhrer about that last week. Well, the voting is still open just for a little bit longer, and so she will join us in our third segment. So all of that up next, Aaron Sims coming up at Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max taking care of us behind the glass. Appreciate you, Max. And up next, let's talk about the youth in the system and the great things going on in Milwaukee because what a season they did have. We have Aaron Sims, Milwaukee Admirals, joining us right now. Aaron, thanks for joining the show. It's great to talk to you guys. How's everything? Uh, as well as it can be, given everything Good. that's yeah. going on with yes. right now. <laughs> yeah. That's all we've got I'll for tell you. What, <laughs> Milwaukee has uh, immersion schools as part of their public school system. So my four-year-old daughter is doing virtual German immersion school. Whoa. So what? I am, that means I am also doing 4K I, virtual I was just about immersion to say school. <laughs> so my, my German colors and my German numbers through 10 are... I would give myself a solid B. All right. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's way better than I'd probably give myself yeah. if I were in your same situation. <laughs> my my daughter is an A plus, but I'm uh yeah, I, I'm not the sponge that she is, you know. I'm pretty old now. So, so to make sure everything's sinking in, you're having schnitzel every night, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're in the right we're in the right city here in Milwaukee for, for whatever we need, German food and German beer and whatever. Yeah. Oh, I was just about to say, oh, the, the beer. Whew. Yeah, I, I miss that city. Hopefully soon can travel safely up there. That would be great. That. that would be great. So it's it's one of those things I know we've talked about and it's just weird to be talking about the previous season and things coming up in September when we know things won't start until at least December or January. Right. Still waiting to see what's gonna go on with a lot with that too. But Obviously, there's some exciting potential in the youth of the Predator system, especially out of Milwaukee, and we saw some of that take place in the return-to-play camp with some of these guys getting opportunities, but there's also some question marks on some guys as well, like uh, Yakov Trenin uh, as well, or even potentially whatever's going to happen to Daniel Carr. So wanting to get your take just overall on the Milwaukee's feel of how they're feeling going into the next season, especially with something so special that Carl Taylor has helped build there the past two seasons. Yeah, it's been real impressive what uh, what Scott Nickel and Carl Taylor have done. Um, they, you know, in the American Hockey League, you're only allowed six veterans per game, and that means 250 games as a pro or 260 games as a pro. So basically, if you're 24 years old, you might be too old for the American Hockey League. It is a developmental league. It's a developmental model, and Everybody understands that, but it's it's uh, it's not it's not that great if you're trying to put some 25, 26 year old guys on your team. So that being said, they went out and they and they sought out good character people, uh, not necessarily guys who needed to have families, um, but but guys who who have a good reputation, guys who uh, understand that when they're here, they're all here, and when they get called up, and they all want to be called up that when they get called up, that's where they are. So uh, they have found guys in the last couple of years. And this is based off, I think, of Scott Nichol and Carl Taylor, too. But Scott Nichol uh, came up in Rochester uh, with the Americans. And there was a lot of guys that were there for many years and a lot of family guys. And and Scott Nichol kind of wanted to develop that kind of organization. And they really have done it. Guys like Jared Tenorti, guys like Matt Donovan, 
Um, you bring in Daniel Carr, who was the league MVP two seasons ago. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of good character people that they've brought in, and it's helping everyone develop, including the veterans. And with the youth being such a huge focus of conversation as of late, David Poyle has said that both Alexander Carrier and Jeremy Davies, who was acquired in the Subban trade, are both really close to being able to play. So if it's going to come down to basically whoever's really, truly ready when the time comes, is there one or the other that kind of you feel might possibly be more ready, in a sense? And what, um, just in general, like what would each of them be bringing to this defense? Uh, more so, I guess, just because of his professional experience, I would lean toward Carrier. Now, uh, a season and a half ago, I don't know that I w- if I, I would have said that. Um, I, do- I don't know that he was necessarily in favor as a prospect. He had a really good rookie season. He was an all-star in the American League. He made his debut in the NHL. And then it kind of regressed a little bit. Um, part of the uh, the thinking in bringing a Jared Tenorti in was to give Carrier a veteran player to play with. As Carrier's rookie season, he played with Adam Party, uh, who played many games in the National Hockey League and was a really it was a bigger guy and a, and a real solid guy. And the same thing with Tenorti. And with that matchup, Carrier really blossomed over the last season and a half again. Um, this year, he was magnificent. Um, Jeremy Davies was supposed to run the point on the power play, on the first power play unit at the outset of the year. They knew he could move the puck. They knew he was creative. They knew he could he could handle it. His possession is is fantastic. His escapability is tremendous. Um, I, neither of them are real burners, uh, to, per se, but uh, they both have a real good handle, a real good head, um, and, and they they're just smart. They're smart hockey players. Uh, they get their stick in the lanes. They know angles. Davies, I know it's it's not necessarily a perfect statistic, but Davies uh, on a team that gave up the fewest goals in the league, Davies was the leader in plus minus this year. So uh, I think it. I think both of them are quality quality players, and I think both can contribute. I think Carrier is a little closer though, just given his experience. Uh, and given the fact that he's had a taste in the past, and I think he's pretty hungry. And I think, I think Nashville's going to give him a real good shot, too, based on the fact that he signed that, that long extension rather than um, not sign him, I guess, or give him a one-year deal or anything like that. They signed him for the next three, and he wants to be there. So I think Carrier might be the guy. And looking at forwards, Poyle had said they kind of just want to continue building around Matt Duchesne. But when you look at Matt Duchesne's nature of play, he's more prone to pass the puck. And you look at someone like Ellie Tolvanen, who is definitely going to be more of a shooter. So having you being able to see in depth the type of player that Ellie Tolvanen is, where do you see him? If he ends up on the roster, where do you see him fitting in? Well, I think he'd be in a good spot there. Um, if he can get a, get the puck in a good in a good position, uh, if Duchesne wants to pass the puck, uh, Tolby will shoot it. Ellie was fourth in the American Hockey League this year in shots on goal. Um, the Admirals had, by the way, had 10 players score 10 goals or more, and th- three of them were under 13%. Tolvanen was the worst at 11%. So uh, he had 20 goals on 191 shots. Um, he'll shoot the puck. Uh, I think he would be I, – I, I tell you what, I, I, I was thinking about this a lot after uh, – after got in touch with Justin here a couple of nights ago, uh, thinking a lot about who might play with Duchesne because of uh, it's, it's well publicized. It's well known what, what Nashville situation is and uh, Granlin and Smith may or may not, it, it doesn't look so good on one of them at least. Um, 
I really don't. I, I would really think that Tolby could play the right side and Rem Pitlick could play the left side. Uh, Rem Pitlick can skate. Um, Rem Pitlick can shoot the puck. Now, you know, I tell you what, he didn't have that many shots. I was shocked to see that he only had about 90 shots this season in 63 games. So that's not the highest number. But he scored 20 goals in, 40, in a stretch of 49 games. He didn't have a goal in his first 14 games. Uh, he did play center much of the season, but that was because Colin Blackwell was recalled. Uh, he did start out on the left wing and, and played roughly 20 games on the left wing until Colin was, was recalled to Nashville. So I, I would be excited by that, at least to start and see what could happen. Because like I said, Pitlick can skate and Tolby can shoot. And I think that could be, you're not necessarily going to have a guy muck it up in the corners necessarily on that line, but I think you could get some some interesting offense from from that trio there based on what we've seen this year in the American Hockey League. I tell you what, uh, Ellie Tolvin, and everybody's interested in him, right, because he's a first-round mm-hmm. pick and he had the season he did in the KHL and all of this stuff. Uh, many times I talked with Carl Taylor this season, all the way back to November, uh, asking him about Tolvanen, and his, Tolvanen's numbers weren't that great at the outset. And Carl has said repeatedly, and he did all season long, I have no problem with the way Ellie Tolvanen plays hockey. He's been so good uh, in every aspect. Um, he even got a lot of penalty kill time this year, so he's not going to be that guy in Nashville, obviously. But uh, he, I, I, I think he's close. I'll be, I'll be, I'm going to be interested to see when he comes back from Finland, when training camp gets around in the National Hockey League, what he's going to look like. Because I think he can he can do some pretty good things. Absolutely. Just right on the cusp. And that's what we've seen out of Carl Taylor saying he's doing a lot of good things uh, out of Tolvin yeah. and seen doing a lot of good things. And again, Aaron Sims, the voice of the Milwaukee Admirals, join us on Penalty Box Radio. You mentioned Rem Pitlick as well. I want to throw out too, you know, shot quality also matters. He had those 20 goals, but it was a 22.7 shot percentage, which is pretty darn yeah. good. So yeah. it shows that when he is able to put the puck on the net, it's going in. Yeah. And you know what? He, um, and again, he didn't score in the first 14 games. Right. So it was 20, 20 goals in 49 games. That was about, I think it was 28, roughly 28%, just under 28%. Mm. So, um, yeah, he was in the bumper spot on the power play. So you had the, the two guys over the circles on either side, one guy up on top in the umbrella, and then a man in front of the net and a man between the circles. And Pitlick was that guy between the circles. And Carl Taylor wanted him there because of the way he could skate. He could move and get pucks and do all of that and, and retrieve and, 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 and make plays. If he's covered, he can skate out of the way and all of that. So Rem got a lot of good looks from the slot, and, uh, and, and, and that certainly helps at the shooting percentage. But um, I think he really I – don't, I don't know that he really had a crisis of confidence at all. Even when he didn't score in the first 14 games, he seemed pretty casual the whole way through. Um, I think he can be a pretty good player. I'm not going to say he's going to be a 30-goal scorer, but I, th- I think he can be a pretty good player uh, if he were in Nashville this next season. Absolutely. I mean, he's one of those youth guys that I'd love to see here, along with Tolvanen, and along with I'd love to see Carrier. I mean, we haven't talked about him really, but Allard potentially getting an opportunity and maybe rotate those young guys on the third pairing with a veteran that they're able to get that is worthy of a mentor too. But I want to see youth. They've been seasoning in Milwaukee and been under a good head coaching in Milwaukee and getting good experience. Now it's like, hey, let's see them. Let's see what they're. I tell you what, it's been interesting, Justin, to watch Dallas uh, do what they do because so much of that team played in the American Hockey League for the Texas Stars. Now a lot of them were high picks for a lot of first round picks. (laughs) We'll pay him, Roddick Fox, uh, guys like that. Um, but but so many of those guys we are very familiar with. So 
Nashville just hasn't had many first-round picks over the last <laughs> couple of years, or second-round picks, or third-round picks, for that matter. So uh, it, it would be interesting to see some guys start to graduate. They haven't had that luxury because they've been making moves uh, for, for different reasons, and it's understandable why they would go for it, certainly. Sure. But, um, but yeah, it, I, I look at Dallas, and I see how they've pieced it together. So many of those guys played in the last few years for the Texas Stars, and uh, and it would be neat to see that start to happen in Nashville here again. And before we have to let you go, I had a special request of a question come in from Daniel Lavender. Okay. <laughs> he is asking, what are the best and worst songs played during hockey games? Best and worst songs. He said he'd have fun uh, with that one. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> I, I I like like best songs. I'm I like. Um, Stuff like ACDC, stuff like, you know, things that kind of are are loud and rude and that kind of stuff, (laughs) kind of grungy and dirty. Mm -hmm. I I, I like them like, you know, like I want I want my music like like um, I'm trying to think of who who would equate to as a player. Um, I want my music like Tom Wilson. Oh, gosh. okay. You know, (laughs) I, I want it to be. I want it to be talent. I want it to be played by talented musicians, but I want it to be. If there's a cheap shot to be taken, it's going to be taken. Right. And so, so anything like so, like I said, ACDC, that I could just that that kind of stuff. The worst, um, you know what, man? I used to I used to do music radio years ago, right? So, and then when I got out of doing music, my I'm pretty much shot in the last twenty years. I got nothing. <laughs> so any anything really that's that was recorded after Hey Ya came out by Outcast. <laughs> oh my god! I'm I'm pretty much out of it. I don't know it. I don't uh, like Uptown Funk was beat up uh, over and over. So that's like the one relatively new song, and that's what five six years old. Yeah. So, uh, well. so that's like that's that's where I'm at musically. Oh, if it's wow. not cheap, if it's not cheap trick, I don't want to hear it. Oh. Well, duly, duly noted. Next time we'll know what to bump you in with and not bump you in with. <laughs> well, Aaron, we really appreciate your insight, and thank you so much for joining us, and just stay safe, man. My pleasure. Same to you guys. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Aaron Sims, the voice of the Milwaukee Admirals, joining us here. Great insight on the youth potentially coming to Nashville. Okay, up mm-hmm. next, gold medalist, world champion, Hockey Hall of Fame member, Angela Ruggiero, joining us on Penalty Box Radio to talk about Free Ice, that hockey, professional hockey term potentially coming to Nashville, up next here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max behind the glass taking care of us. Excited for our next guest. She is an Olympic gold medalist, world champion, Hockey Hall of Fame member, twice graduated from Harvard. I mean, so, super successful in hockey and an absolute resource in hockey as well. Angela Riguero, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk hockey. Absolutely. So it's exciting what's going on right now with this with, with Three Ice Hockey and what's going on there with that. And we had Grant Fear on last week, so excited to bring you on to talk about it this week too. How did you get involved in this organization to, to be a coach and be a part of this program? Um, yeah, I got contacted by uh, E.J. Johnson um, sharing the concept with me. I had fell in love actually with 3-on-3 basketball um, a few years back and always thought we should do something similar in, the, in, in our sport. And so when he contacted me and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about you know, bringing you on, what, what do you think? Um, talked about some of the other uh, coaches that were in, 
you know, be coaching alongside and just the concept in general, I was, I was pretty pumped. I, you know, I think it's time for hockey to speed up. Um, obviously, you know, love the five on five version, but having three on three is a very different way to think about it. And I think, uh, really appealing to the next generation fan. So, so I, I signed up to coach. <laughs> And Angela, I kind of want to dig in deeper to that because that's what I'm most excited about this is the newness and the thrill of three-on-three. I mean, obviously, I love hockey. I love the standard five-on-five game. But the level of energy is unmatched in a three-on-three matchup. And the opportunity to showcase talent in a different way is super exciting. And I know that fans who are already fans of the game – are going to have, you know, this moment of kind of falling in love with the game that they already love. But I kind of want to expand on the opportunity of this bringing hockey to a potentially new market of fans. What do you see this uh, doing for that? Yeah, uh, you know, you said it right. That it's just a fast brand of hockey. Um, you're, you know, two quick halves. You, you know, you're not, you're not doing a lot of face-offs. You're not resurfacing, you know, all the usual stuff, which is a play and, and, uh, you know, fans have to watch. They, if you take your eyes off the game, goals will get scored. And, um, you know, before you know it, that game is over. So it allows you to watch several games in a night. Um, and again, the next generation fan at my company, we call them fluid fans. Um, it's all about that action. It's about appealing, um, you know, especially in the attention economy and, uh, you know, having a fast paced game, to bring uh, not just new fans, but, you know, existing fans in. So it's, um, I think, you know, diehard hockey fans will love it because it's another, you know, another way to, 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 to love hockey, to, uh, to consume hockey, if you will. And new fans might say, hey, I never really liked five-on-five or I never really played hockey, but I love three-on-three. I mean, that was certainly the case for me. I loved traditional basketball, but, I, but when I saw three-on-three, I said, wow, this is just fast and dynamic, and, you know, it's like rugby sevens compared to the 15s. It's, a lot of these sports have the offshoot, and, uh, and to your point, it's, um, it, I think it will be a, a f- appealing to everyone. And, and part of that, too, is how does one coach for three-on-three like this? Because it's going to be so fast. There's obviously going to be plenty of odd breaks that are going on there, too. How do you prepare for coaching in this style of game when it's kind of tournament-based, it's professionals out there playing, it's very fast? How, how do you prepare to coach something mm-hmm. like this? Well, I think you got to draft well. Uh, your team's got to be in great shape. <laughs> um, and then you just got to bring the energy. I think part of this is going to be, um, you know, there's obviously going to be strategy involved, but you're going to have less um, ability as a coach to actually go in and, you know, put plays together because this will be, you know, the ultimate flow game. Um, back and forth, back and forth. you got six players and a goalie, so you can't really um, – pick and choose your players as much you have to rely on their 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 strength and stamina and and skill um so i think a key is just again you have the right players be in great shape and bring the energy every night um and uh and again since it's a short it's a shortened season relative uh to a traditional hockey season um you can guarantee that that the guys are going to you know show up each and every night and you know want to win those points because they you know, every single game is going to count towards towards the playoffs. 
and, and this is such a unique thing, too, because it's traveling to other cities, and that's why 3S has encouraged people to go vote for their city to bring it to. And we're seeing a variety of cities. Obviously, Nashville's one of them, but some cities that don't necessarily have an NHL team, they have an AHL team, like Providence, uh, like some other cities as well. So what are some of the cities that you hope that, that they're able to get to to bring this to to maybe expose it to more people? Uh, Nashville, come on. I mean, <laughs> set you up for that. There one. you go. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I'm not even kidding you. I grew up in, um, in Southern California in very non-traditional hockey state. We had Wayne Grexie come out when I was a little girl. I got traded to the Kings and, um, you know, I started playing the year before, but, it, but the growth of hockey just took off when, um, the Kings came and, you know, they were there, but, but when they really, you know, when Grexie came and, and the, the, State now has three professional, you know, NHL hockey teams there. So I would definitely say Nashville because one, there is hockey, but I think it's a warmer weather. It's a non-traditional market, if you will. And two, I personally just want to. I want to go to Nashville. <laughs> I would love to spend a weekend there. I mean, you can't deny the culture and the music and the food. So um, there's yeah, there's a lot of great states, um, and you know, there's some great cities in in. Canada as well that are vying for this, um, but I love going to states that don't um, that where you can actually grow the game. And yeah. uh, and again, Providence you mentioned. There's a lot of hockey. I'm from Bo- I live in Boston now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hockey there already. So I think it'd, it'd be nice to have some blend of the traditional and the new, if you will. That makes perfect sense. Again, Angela Riguera joining us, talking about Three Ice Hockey. And so looking at this, too, and kind of segue there, too, with what Wayne Gretzky did for Southern California and, and growing hockey there, too. And you've obviously been a part of this game and been a part of the women's game, and you have your own company that focuses on sports and, and innovation as well. And I know this is probably a big-loaded question, but for you in terms of we're seeing so much going on right now with the growth of the game and, and inclusion and making sure people are well-represented as well in sports and, and especially hockey that we're seeing, the sport that we love, for you, what is the future of, of our sport that we love? What is the future of hockey? What would you like to see it be? You just nailed it on the head. <laughs> you know, hockey for all. Um, you know, you kind of teed me up there. I think just having uh, the sport open to both genders, obviously having both boys and girls wake up um, and having their parents sign them up, um, knowing that they can play in the Olympics, they can play – uh, in you know collegiate hockey and and you know professional hockey one day I would love to see a, a women's a real women's professional league. Um, we talk about um, racial inclusion. I think you know we're traditionally a very white sport, so having again having the ability to go and, and on a grassroots campaign get more get more kids involved, no matter what they look like, no matter where they're from. Um, again, cold state, hot state, um, and and globally too. Again, we've I look at FIFA. I spent eight years on the international committee. I look at, uh, you know, soccer or football, as the rest of the world calls it, or um, or basketball or, or other sports. I'd love hockey to have that same global um, appeal. So um, I think part of that is just, again, um, we're limited by rink sizes sometimes. You can't, you know, build a rink everywhere. But um, just, you know, having a more diverse group that, get, that gets access to this sport because it's the best, absolute best game in the world. On the planet, I'm biased, um, but if you've ever played it, you, you know it's both individual and team. And so, having that sport, this beautiful sport that we call hockey, accessible to everyone is is definitely a, a dream of mine. <laughs> And Angela, I know you were recently in the conversation for interviewing with the Panthers prior to the hiring of Bill Zito. You've spent some time in the front office with the Islanders in the past, and 
I know I'm not alone in feeling as though there are an abundance of qualified women to work in this league at an executive level, and yet they're not all put into these roles. You've got player experience, office experience, and coaching experience. You've accomplished so much thus far, so I just kind of want to take a glimpse into your future as far as what the future looks like for you in the game um, and what you're looking forward to possibly doing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many amazing um, female Olympians and uh, coaches and, you know, women that have been in hockey for, for decades and uh, are, are absolute leaders in their own right. Um, and, again, I would love to see more women have the same opportunities. Um, we don't blink an eye when men coach women, and I don't know why blink an eye, you know, when when women are considered to coach men, if you know the game, no matter what game that is, um, you know, there's, uh, there's something to be said, I think about that experience. So now as more women are having experience, um, you know, at the Olymp- the highest level, the Olympic level, or, uh, you know, collegiate level, um, I certainly hope there's more opportunities. And as it relates to me, I mean, I, I love what I'm doing now with sports innovation lab. Um, but you know, hockey's always in my blood and, um, and we'll see one day, who knows? I'm, I'm just, uh, excited to be behind the bench next summer with uh, with these guys at Three Ice, and uh, my goal in front of me is to win that uh, that cup and and ha- have the first one that no one can ever take away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, well, Angela, we we really appreciate you joining us, and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And hey, we hope to see you in Nashville next summer. All right, I hope you guys vote. Everyone, go out and vote. And uh, if I'm there, um, you know, you guys have to take me out. Show me, show me some good music while I'm there. Oh, we got you <laughs> we covered. We got that and the food. We got you. We got you covered. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks, love Angela. <laughs> All Folks, right, see you guys. Angela Ruggiero, four-time Olympian, Olympic gold medalist, five-time world champion, two-time Harvard graduate, a CEO and a founder of a sports innovation company with three ice hockey. She's doing it all. (laughs) When you run out of breath like twice listing out (laughs) those things, that says something. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Incredible. I I, I love that we're able to focus on Olympians as well uh, and and focus on everything that they've done to represent our country. And so make sure you go vote threeice.com. She's going to be one of the coaches coaching this in this three-on-three mm-hmm. tournament across North America as well. So you need to vote at threeice.com. You have the choice of so many cities, and they're only going to nine. Nashville's there, Buffalo, Chicago, Cleveland, Las Vegas, Quebec City. Like she said, there's a mix. London, Ontario, mm-hmm. home for plenty of junior hockey, especially there yep. in London. So a good mix of cities. That And she, like she even said, let's go to a mix of markets where we can really grow the game and ones that are cemented in with hockey as well. So I think that's a great way to look at this, too, of how can they grow the game. So 3S.com, you have 10 more days. Yep. 10 days and three hours. So go vote. vote. And what a great representative for just the sport in general she is. Love it. I love that that she's a part of this. Especially a Southern California native like that. I know. Gretzky is really. Yeah. You you love to hear it. You love to hear it. All right. Up next, we have plenty of questions to answer on Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, the game. This is how we do it. It's Friday night. And I feel all right. Party's here on the west side, so I reach for my 40. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. 
Max is just setting me up for, for singing on air. That song, that song I'll keep jam. going. That so, song my jam. You got to turn me off because I'll keep going. That's the Mighty Drunks Victory song. Oh, for really? anybody who listens to the show on podcast or you put it up on the PBR website, yeah. right, Justin? Oh, yeah. So the recording doesn't include the commercial breaks, <laughs> which also includes the music. So we're going to be. So singing. they just heard both of you singing karaoke over This Is How We Do It without the instrumental. Now, wait. Sometimes we get the podcast with the with the audio, the it, bump music. It what depends. It depends Maybe which tonight. computer the music comes off of. Oh, so pull okay. it from the computer tonight with the with the. Jingle. Now I'm gonna be really embarrassed. Too late. It's unfixable. Now I'm really embarrassed. It's history. Oh, oh boy. Wow. Because I want it to be. Oh, well, thank you. This whole thank night you. just took a dark turn. Uh, the sun is setting a lot sooner. Oh my! Gosh. Remember before when we started the <laughs> yeah. show back up? We're like, oh, it's still sunny. It was I'm like really still in my eyes when we were ending the show. I know. <clears throat> All right. Well, first question this is coming from. First gas man. Okay. Where does Craig Smith end up? <laughs> the Islanders or the Capitals? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think Craig Smith will still be a Nashville Predator. I do too. I think that they'll work something out for him to basically finish his career here. Mm-hmm. Because he's consistent overall, but I don't feel like he deserves a raise raise. But that's just my initial thoughts. The flat cap is going to make things a little difficult. So hopefully it's one of those things where his side wants to work on it as well. Yeah. Mikhail Gladwin's gone. Yeah. We know that. But Craig Smith, I think, is this is this is home. And I, I know that we all were reminded this week that, you know, all roads <laughs> all roads to Washington run through Nashville. Absolutely. Because I think that's so funny. Um <laughs> I tweeted that the other day. When Peter Laviolette got hired in Washington, that's where that's coming from. <laughs> but I do see I see Craig as a staple on this team. And like we talked about last week, I think mm-hmm. moving some parts around, I think they'll make that happen. Just a staple and for real right now he's He's a good fit on a third line. Mm-hmm. He's a great fit on a third line. If you have a consistent a consistent 20-goal score on the third line, that's what you need is a third liner that can make a difference. Obviously not top six anymore, mm-hmm. but on the third line, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can agree. fit in in the top six if he absolutely needs to. So, yeah, there we go. Crazy legs. Uh, <laughs> Real Captain Lou is asking a reaction to Laviolette getting hired. We kind of covered this already, but my first thought was – my, Martin Erat and Michael Lotta going to Washington as well? Is this part of the, the trip? <laughs> like, what's coming back? What's <laughs> Where's our piece? <laughs> where, where's the piece of this pie? Is it like, is Backstrom coming back? Or, <laughs> or what, oh, what's, what's, what's going on with this kind of thing right here? No, it, I'm, I'm good with it for, for them. I do want to see, especially in hockey, I want to see new coaches getting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Not just regurgitated pro coaches and the same old three didn't guys Washington- you talked about. Didn't Washington, weren't they like that for a while, though? Wasn't Barry Trotz the only one that really came in with... Yeah, a little bit. I mean, So it's- maybe they were kind of done with that? I don't know. <sighs> I just feel like, like Gallant was a possibility, but I don't think he was the... I don't think yeah, that he was the one that they were looking for for that urgency, right? Galan's going like, to be going to Seattle. Jeez, yeah, go, yeah. sign him there with what he was able to do with, with I can Vegas. see. I can see that. Goodness, but I that, know he was in the talks, and I just I feel like Lavi's a good fit for what they need done in a exactly. short period of time, and then they can kind of reevaluate. Exactly. So next question, this one is coming up from oh okay, this is from Papa Pierogi. What's your favorite sandwich, and why is it a hot dog? <laughs> oh, Glenn, God. the disappointment Actually on Glenn's face made right now. The list. The, the disappointment in Glenn's face right now. You want to know if a hot dog was a sandwich? It would be called a sandwich. That's but, all. But the hot dog is but the it's a piece hot dog. of meat. No, it's, it's a hot a, dog. It's, and it's a sandwich between two pieces of bread, right? 
they're connected. The bread is connected. So is a soft taco a sandwich? It's a taco. <laughs> I'm just like trolling oh. you now. <laughs> On a serious I want note. A sandwich though. Now I am hungry. I mm-hmm. ate a late lunch, but I'm hungry. Okay. Uh, TJ Julie is asking, curious on the thoughts about the $825 million class action lawsuit against the NHL, CHL, and other top hockey leagues, especially someone who works really in depth with the collegiate levels in the U.S. since many of the claims have to do with access to education resources. So if you didn't know, there is uh, a lawsuit basically talking about conspiracy to reduce what players are able to have in terms of education, opportunity, especially playing in juniors uh, and turning pro. it's I need to do more on this before I have an, a, an exact opinion, but it is curious to me on some of the restrictions between the NHL and the CHL, the agreements there, that we always have to remind people about, well, in terms of playing in the American League, you have to be you could be this old and play. Like Ellie Tolvin was obviously fairly young when he went to play in the American League. He's coming from Europe. Well, what about Tomasino? He could just go play in Milwaukee. Let him get some season time there. Well, he's not old enough yet. He's either the OHL or the NHL per the agreement. There, That's the problem there, too. So, Ellie Tolvanen's going to the American League and making money as a pro. Tomasino is in junior where he's not a pro yet. So, he's not making a contract worth of money. He's getting some things, obviously. But they get stuck in a certain place right. where they can't advance stuck. as we've, quick. We've seen it plenty of times. It happened with yeah. Ryan Ellis, with Seth Jones where they're stuck playing in junior, but they're too good for junior, but they're maybe not the best yet for the NHL, their rookie year, which Seth Jones turned out fine, so is Ryan Ellis. <laughs> but you'd rather see a little bit more seasoning and play in the American League. Well, they're not old enough yet based on the agreement because that's why they don't want the American League poaching players from juniors. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're 18? Come on over. Yeah, yeah. Can't do that. Oh, you're 19. Uh, come on over. No, it could be 20. So that it's it is restrictive of the opportunities available to junior hockey players. So I am very curious on this how more is going to come out. And so I, I don't want to give a full on opinion more just educating people on why this is happening. I can understand a lot of this too, but it's difficult to give a, a straightforward opinion on this because I need to learn more. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a hot take on something and then read more and go, "Ooh, that was that was cold." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and having just read about it today myself, I'm like I I want to know more before I speak. Right. But I see what you're saying as far as they kind of get pigeonholed in this little space right. up until a certain age where where some players don't have to deal with that. So Right. And there's, there's so much on the other end with college hockey, educational resources and everything. First of all, I mean, I've said this before, too. We need more Division One college hockey teams anyways mm-hmm. in, this, in this country mm-hmm. because there's so many talented athletes. The game continues to grow. That they don't have a place to go. Not yeah. saying this is part of the lawsuit, but just saying that we need more Division One teams because you have talent that is leaving and you have talent coming in now from other countries mm-hmm. and getting college education. But we, it shows we need more because they're enticed to come because they want to come play college hockey. Give them a place and get to an play. Education. Yeah, yeah. Don't have that. We, mm-hmm. we we need more, not less. And I know it's difficult in pandemic times with some programs trying to get rid of it or getting rid of college hockey. But overall, we need more. Step up, SEC. You mm-hmm. got the money. You got the money. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. Because uh, can you imagine a raucous? crowd at an SEC, a Division One SEC college hockey game, what that could be like? It would be amazing. It would be amazing. <laughs> It'd be um, amazing. Amazing. So this one comes from Brian. Why is Laviolette getting dumped upon on the way out the door? So much recently stirred up fondness for trots over Lavi while they got them to stand like a final. All coaches have a lifespan. All coaches do have a lifespan. And Barry Trotz's time ended at the right time, maybe even a little too late Yeah. for the National Predators. But here's the thing. 
and why I think this is happening is because, yes, Peter Laviolette came in and he took this team to places they've never been before. The Stanley Cup final, a President's Trophy, all that stuff. I think people are questioning now is the what if. The what if ownership at the time was able to give Barry Trotz more in terms of cap to spend and players, mm-hmm. making more of the trades to bring top-end talent instead of you know middle six, bottom nine, bottom six talent. That's, I think, a lot of the questions come in. And I understand that because of the what if, because you see what Barry Trotz has done now with two other teams afterwards. Yeah, and it's a fair question to ask. And I think the fondness, I think that never left. I think everybody, you know, had a hard time from an emotional standpoint when Barry Trotz left Nashville just because of the type of person that he was. Right. And so naturally you're going to question and say, oh, well, what if, what would things have looked like if? You know, not necessarily ragging on Peter Laviolette for that. Right. It's just that everybody still loves Barry Trotz in Nashville. Right. And Rightfully I think, so. And I think the way Peter Laviolette went out is just reached the top and then the bell curve on the way down. Yeah. But yeah. he did. He changed He changed this franchise mm-hmm. for the future. I mean, yeah. changed it because now the expectations are so high that fans expect this team to be a championship caliber team every because single year. Because of what he brought them because to. Because of what so, he brought yeah. them to. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. For producer Max and Glenn, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio. You can catch more at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening to us on ESPN 1025 The Game.